We are here. What are we going to talk about today? I'm just trying to find my paperwork, actually. Um, what's that? So, um, Loki made another appearance in the introduction. I'm a little Which worried. we accidentally deleted. We're not very good at that. No. I have it. No, in our introduction for this episode. Oh, we did? Yeah. No, he's in this introduction for this episode. Oh, I thought we... Okay. But we did delete other stuff, though, with him in it at one point. Apparently, I forgot what happened I don't 10 know. minutes ago. He's, like, insistent on being on this podcast, and he didn't get the hint that he's not native Illinois wildlife so but um I'm gonna talk about another mammal it's our first our mammal. first mammal yeah the first one um probably our most notable one too the white-tailed deer so it's it's our largest land mammal left left up here up here <laughs> and I'm losing so thoughts north. yeah um in northern Illinois I should say and yeah. I don't know why I said land mammal because we don't kind of like sea mammals so just disregard that <laughs> what do you mean we don't have marine mammals there? i wish that would be cool at least not in the wild um but yeah so they're the largest ones we have left at least ones with an established population so right like if, wolves and bears yeah if, if you're gonna sit here mammals. and like say oh what, what about black bear well we don't have established populations of black bear in illinois so what about buffalo nope they're gone. We ate a lot of those back in the day. So here we are. Um, Talking about deer. We're going to talk about deer and why it matters that they're here. Because they play a pretty important role here in Illinois. It's just a little different than what you'd expect. Yeah. So I think they're cute. They're super so they cute. Stay for that reason alone. Yes. Agreed. Um, so as we know, they are native to North America. Are also native to Central America and South America, like the northern part of South America. Um, they've been really? recorded. Mm-hmm. They've been recorded as far south as like Peru, Bolivia, that area. And they're so, native. Native. That's cool. What my research tells me is that they're native. Um, they are introduced in other parts of the world, like Europe, Australia, uh, the Bahamas. Are they native there, though? No, they are invasive. Oh. Uh-huh. So, so how'd they get there? <laughs> well, they were introduced as, like, game animals for okay. hunting, for recreation. Oh. Yes. So. And those men who brought them over were not successful. At, like, clearly. Clearly not. Yeah. Because now there's a bunch of them and it's a problem. So they're great here. Not so great in other areas. Right. Uh, yep. But I'm kind of jealous of the deer living in the Bahamas, honestly. Yeah, like, I'll go live there and watch the deer. Like, yeah. Why didn't someone, like, pick me up and say, you need to go live in the Bahamas and, like, take me there and just leave me to live my island life in peace? Mm. You know? Questions. Beauty. Right? So there's that. There, this makes them the most widely distributed ungulate in the world. Interesting. Um, uh, also also known as a hoofed mammal, I should clarify. Ungulate. 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 I've heard both. Tomato, tomato. Yes, exactly. Um, in Illinois, 
they, we have an estimated population of 660,000 as of 2017. Damn. So a big number. Got a lot of deer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop singing. Um, they're considered to be medium-sized. Okay. Which How tall is their back? Because they seem a lot taller than medium-sized. I know. Like they my dog. Big. Okay, no. My... Well, they're the biggest here compared to any other mammal we have. So okay. three, three and a half feet at the shoulder. Oh. I mean, probably more around three feet at the shoulder. Okay. So I guess that would be medium. It's decent. Um, reddish brown fur in the warmer months, breeding season. Yep. Uh, more dolls. Yeah, they're like that dull gray brown when it so comes to fall and winter. Their environments Absolutely. Yeah. Because yep. all the trees look dead. Yeah. And then uh, what makes them white? Tailed deer, of course, is their underside. So underneath their tail, they've got the fluffy white butt. That's so the, cute. I know. It's like a little bunny. Exactly. A bunny butt. <laughs> <laughs> a little bunny butt. Um, they've got the white belly, white chest, white neck region. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and actually, since they're so widely distributed, their genetic variations can really be different. Oh, I'm sure. Depending yeah. on range. Depends on range, depends on their environment, depends on who they're breeding with, of course. So we yeah. can see a lot of different types. Um, and they're also known to be really adaptable to their environment. So well, obviously, yeah, obviously. they're that far south. So they do really well in forested areas, open prairie lands. Um, they clearly do well in urban areas because that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they just do their thing. Uh, so let's talk about those deer that we see out here. If you want to talk about groups, they do tend to travel. They're social animals, so they travel in, in bigger groups, typically. I've only seen them in bigger groups. I mean, I've seen a lone male here and there, but yeah, typically yeah. they're in a group. Yes, and the, f the females tend to group together more often. Okay. Which I... That makes I sense. Know, None of them have antlers that I'm seeing. Right. I've never really like thought about who's in the group exactly, but it tends to be um, like a dominant female. Okay. Her fawn. Oh. Young... Like previous fawn or young current fawn? current fawn, and then she'll have female young from the previous year. They tend to stick around for a bit. Okay, and then sometimes they'll be like young males, but they usually split off because they're going to reach a point where they only join with females to breed. To yep. Yeah, um, but the males, yes, we oftentimes see them alone, but they will sometimes form like small bachelor herds. Oh, that's so, cute. Yeah, yeah, they group up every now and then. Um, they do spend a lot of time ruminating, browsing. They're plant eaters. I did know that. Yes. So they're busy. They're busy inside and out. Um, and by that, I mean they eat that plant matter. It goes down to the first chamber of their stomach. Oh, they're like cows? And they're like cows. They're ruminants, yes. I didn't really put two and two together when you mm -hmm. said that. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it breaks down a bit, kind of gets the nutrition, nutrients out, I should say. And then it comes back into the mouth and they chew the cud like mm. our lovely cows do. And then it goes back down and you know the rest. Indeed. So, <laughs> so yeah, he's awful. Not really. I love <laughs> no, him so, so much. Cute. Yes, but he's so naughty. Um, And, you know, they spend a lot of time eating native plants. It's kind of their favorite. But they'll also take advantage of crops, fruits, seeds, landscaped plants. I've heard that they are a fan of tulips. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. They really dug into my uncle's garden. Like he, <laughs> His garden did not 
Did not do well. It was one year and (laughs) he was done. He's like, oh, I've just become a deer feeding station. Basically. Essentially. So what did he have in his garden? He had a lot of stuff in his garden. A few vegetables. They did pumpkins, which I thought was super cute. That is cute. Um, Strawberries. That's the deer took those out immediately. Oh, he was really disappointed. Oh, Um, sorry. Yeah, he had a lot of little critters that were feeding off of that garden, and finally, I think he just threw in the ropes and just observed the wildlife and said never again. Yeah, (laughs) he just opted not to like try and yeah, he just. I mean, he tried a handful of methods. Of course, Mm -hmm. I helped them out, but. It's like, well, it's a losing not battle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Moving on. Lesson learned. So just be aware they do like to browse and experiment with different foods. Um, if you live in an area with deer, this could happen to you. So there's a lot of different ways we can try to protect our food. It, I would say it's definitely a case by case. So certainly. Yeah. We're literally going to go into a black hole if we sit here and try to explain ways to protect yourself from deer. Contact us Contact if you need us. help with this. Um, I'm going to refer you right to the Illinois Department of Natural Resources or a local rehabber in your area for advice on how to coexist with deer. But it's yeah. usually a method of covering that plant somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Oh, so you might want to know when you're most likely to see deer. And, oh, yeah. Um, yes. So they're known as crepuscular creatures, which means they're most active at dawn and dusk. Yep. Um, this is why I'm nervous to drive at night. <laughs> yeah, I've been um, in that situation. Yeah. Deer can do a lot of damage to they a car. Can. Yes. And it usually, you know, like we said, they're social. So if you see one, you're likely to see more, especially if they're females. Um, otherwise, you might come across a really large buck and it's not going to end well. <laughs> yeah, my cousin totaled her SUV. Ugh. And they can still... Like, run off after a collision like that. They that might not make fear. it far. Honestly, like, I wouldn't even care about my car. I'm just that kind of person. So, like, I wouldn't care about my car. I'm going to be super concerned about that animal. Like, just wrecked. Knowing that it's... Yes. It's not... It didn't die on impact. That right. would crush me. Right. So, obviously, it's not always an option for people to avoid these times of day when driving. But we're going to recommend, you know, especially dawn and dusk, take your time, follow speed limits, definitely be extra aware of. Yeah. Turn your brights on. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't just scan the roadway, scan the surrounding area. Yeah. Um, That also avoids like highway hypnosis too. If you're looking at your surroundings and not just staring at the road. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if you have to, you know, and it's safe, of course, stop, give them a chance to cross the road. Like Amy said, they're in groups. So, you know, a few stragglers maybe. Lagging yeah. behind. Yep. Put your hazards on to warn other people that might come up behind you. Just give them every chance you can because we don't want you to get hurt and we don't want the deer to get hurt, of course. So uh, speaking of which, you know, home ranges, where they live, where they travel can kind of range here in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So rural areas, they tend to stick to a certain territory. On, and on average, from what I found, it's roughly 280 acres or just under a half mile, like 0.44 miles. Okay. So in urban areas, so up here near us in Chicagoland, they're going to have a smaller range that they work with, obviously, because there's less natural habitat. And on average, it's around 100 acres or 0.17 square miles. So a lot smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And they tend to stick to those areas, but there are certain situations that will push them out. And this is where we run into like car collisions conflicts with people, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So seasonal behavior, like when they go into rut or they're 
Their Twitter painted. Yes. You don't know what Twitter painted is. I didn't know. If anybody has watched Bambi, I hope you remember the Twitter painted scene. Okay. So like, I haven't watched Bambi in years probably because it's really sad. True. Yeah. I just can't. I can't handle that. It's like in Friends when Phoebe didn't know that the mom died because her mom turned the movie off before Bambi's mom was shot. The smart lady. Yeah. (laughs) Smart lady. Um... Yeah, so, I mean, if they're looking for love, they might leave their home range. Um, habitat loss, of course, you know, any type of development's going to encourage them to move on somewhere as well. Mm-hmm. And any type of human-wildlife conflict. So, if they get increasing pressure from human activity, they're likely to relocate. But other than that, despite those issues, they've been really good at adapting to, like, fragmented habitats, which isn't a lot of species kind of struggle with habitat fragmentation. So that's splitting up habitat from one big piece to like much smaller pieces that are broken off by roadways, housing developments, yeah. things like that, that make it more problematic for travel and safety. Um, and they tend to do really well in like agricultural landscapes. So they will oftentimes use crops to like either rest or graze in. Yeah. So it's, it's worked in their favor a bit. Um, something cute too. Speaking of like where they would rest, um, they're talking about moms and their babies. <laughs> no, you should not. touch on that. I should. Continue. You're right. Share your. Point. Well, I was gonna say like their scent. They um they use their sense of smell. Okay. A lot to protect themselves and their babies, of course. But um, the, so they're obviously very alert animals. They're always watching what's going on around them. They're very quick to run away from things. Right. But scent's a huge one, and I have to give a shout-out to the Forest Preserve District of Will County because they shared this on their Twitter page a few days ago, and I thought it was adorable. So deer will, like, constantly lick their nose to keep them wet. So I've can, noticed that. Yeah, like, it's in all sorts of photography, video. Right. Yeah. So they'll do that to keep their nose wet so they can smell things more easily. Oh. And when they're resting at night, so let's say they're resting in, like, an open field or a pasture. I yeah. Um, they will try to face downwind so they can pick up on those scents better. Oh. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Isn't that cute? That's smart. I know. I really like it. So what did you want to know about the babies? Yeah. So, you know, much like cottontails, you know, you only see them at dawn and dusk and mom will leave her baby during the day. Yeah. Yes. So a big human-wildlife conflict is right around baby season when these fawns are born. Um, One tactic, like I said, scent plays a really important role in deer. Yeah, those babies don't carry a scent when they're first born. Right. So mom's tactic is going to be to leave her baby alone for most of the day. Because it's not strong enough to follow her around. Mm -hmm. So if mom hangs around, she's, you know, she's got a scent. She's drawing in predators, even though deer don't really have predators here anymore. Well, fawn might because of coyotes. Right. Yeah, but grown deer, eh, it's usually humans um, <laughs> at this point. But yeah, she's going to stay away. So then people get confused because I think these babies are orphaned, orphaned, injured, alone. Yeah. And usually mom's nearby. Yeah. Um, but that's also where like that fragmented territory comes into play because mm-hmm. someone in the middle of a subdivision might have a lonely fawn in their yard and they're going to think it's orphaned because there's no woods near them. Yeah. Mom is in. Yes. So I know we've had 
interactions with the public on, quote, orphaned deer. And usually they're not, but a couple of things, um, if you notice, like, a baby's crying really loudly. Yeah, they're going to be quiet if mom mm-hmm. truly has left them for the day. Yeah. But if they're crying, that's a sign. They'll tend to, like, you'll see them alone for more than, like, 24 hours, too, typically. So oh, I didn't know that. I it, it definitely always recommend people to say, like, well, whenever I talk with people, I'd ask them, hey, when did you first see this animal? And it's like, oh, I saw it an hour ago. It's like, okay, give it the rest of the day at least. Yeah. Like, just try to keep an eye on it, see if mom comes back. If it starts to get dark, you start seeing it, you know, exhibit weird behavior, like the crying. Or if it's moving around. Moving if it around. Moves, like, its location, then mm-hmm. that's another good sign. Usually, we're trying to give it, like, several hours, though, before we determine what's going on. Right. So, and also, like, their ears will start to flop down, especially if they're dehydrated. Oh. It's like I've heard it compared to wilted lettuce. That's so sad. I know, but it's a good indicator of yeah. what's going on. And they might have bugs on their body. Yeah, that's always so, a good indicator. But otherwise, usually they're healthy. They're just being, you know. Right. If they're calmly laying under a bush. Mm-hmm. Give it time. <laughs> it's probably an okay situation. It's probably okay. The best thing you can do is just keep that area quiet and observe from a distance. Yep. Make sure mom comes back. So not only is kidnapping baby deer a huge <laughs> human-wildlife conflict, um, but we, we want to go back to that habitat loss because this leads to a lot of different issues, especially here in Chicagoland. Yeah. Um, we don't have a whole lot of habit, not the ideal amount of habitat that some of us would prefer for animals, especially yeah. deer. They're large. They need lots of resources. They do really well at reproducing. Um, so we have to make sure that their their population stays healthy. And this is where we get into kind of like that hot button mm-hmm. topic. So Illinois, you know, we love our white-tailed deer, but we've got a lot of management and monitoring efforts that go into it. And when I say management, that means thinning the herd a bit. So we do have, um, they're protected by state law, but we do have regulated hunting we also have um, a sharpshooter program initiated throughout the state that just helps thin out herds to make sure that they're not overpopulating an area. Because when we have too many deer, that's when we have the increased car collisions, increased conflicts in residential areas. We'll also see like an increase in spread of disease among the herd. So mm-hmm. one of the one of the more scarier ones is chronic wasting disease. Okay. So the best description I've seen is that it's not a growing problem, but it is a concern. Um, they've recorded it in several counties here in Chicagoland, and it, it's kind of come from, like, the Wisconsin border. So what are the symptoms of this? It's a lot like mad cow, but oh. for cervids. So moose, elk, deer. Okay. So um, it affects their brain, and it'll start to break down their ability to function. So walk, eat, you know, exhibit normal behavior, like a, a healthy dose of fear against other things like humans. Okay. Um, they'll eventually like literally just waste away and die because there's no treatment for it. So it sounds um, like their version of distemper. Yes. Their, their version of distemper pretty much or mad Which, cow. Sadly. Yeah. It's just nature's way of keeping numbers in check. It is. So uh, our way, you know, or the state's way, I should say of managing herds through hunting and sharpshooting is considered to be more of a humane way than, you know, letting these other alternatives occur. I would have to agree with that. Yeah. And it's also a way to help protect protect natural habitat because they love right. native plants. And when they overeat them, that leaves room for non-natives. Oh. Yeah. So sometimes they're just too good at what they do. And it can be a little 
unsafe for the environment. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course, <laughs> this is where I talk about hot topic because sharpshooting and hunting is um, not everybody's cup of tea. I totally yeah. get that. Like in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to kill anything in order to protect it. Right. Unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world and we live actually in a region that has a lot of people. So, you know, what are we going to do with that? We can't have our cake and eat it too. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Some people have like recommended sterilizing deer. That would be interesting. It's, it's not like deer, adult deer are like impossible to rehab. They're high stress. Yeah. They're difficult to transport. Mm Mm-hmm. So what does a vet just go out and like get kicked in the this face. animal and <laughs> sterilize it in the field? It's in the well. field. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of that's a lot, a lot of, of work. effort. That's a lot of money being spent on trying to sterilize them, and you're not really like diminishing the population. It's a short term. What I'm trying to say is it's a short term solution. Okay. So you're not removing deer that are already there. You're just kind of slowing the inevitable from happening. Right. And you're never going to get all the male deer sterilized. You're not. And also like relocating people have said, why can't we just pick them up and relocate them again? Because they have minds of their own and they have feet. Super stressful. Yes. As well. So, Oh yeah. Difficult to transport. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. You're going to like split a herd Mm -hmm. because the rest are going to run off. You're going to get like one of them. Yeah. So, you know, that's why we kind of, have all t- other options in place instead. Um, yeah. So why should we support this species in our community? Yeah, that's a good question. Because um, why should we? I mean, they're a big species that uses a lot of resources and are notorious for causing issues in the area. So why bother? But I think it's important to remember that deer are a huge part of outdoor recreation here in Illinois. I mean, you'll have people travel from outside of the state to specifically view wildlife here or hunt wildlife here and deer play a major role in that. So when we talk about outdoor recreation, this is a business for the state. This is something that- Right, you have to get your permits. Yes, yep. You have to pay, oftentimes pay money, some sort of way to get here to do these things. Um, It generates revenue for projects that help fund natural habitats, our conservation studies for our wildlife. So deer, again, deer play a huge role in that because they're a large part of what we hunt and a large part of what people come out to see. So interesting. Yeah. So without deer, we're losing a big notable species to draw people here for. And they're also our state mammal. I don't know if you do that. Are they? No. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been the state mammal since 1982. Cool. And, uh, yeah, that would just be weird if we didn't have our state mammal in our state. Right. So, huh, yeah. That's about all I have, though, on deer today. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. We have a Twitter handle, at Cuckoo Podcast. Mm-hmm. We've got a Facebook page. Go like it. Uh, we also have a Gmail account where we accept emails from the public, feedback, suggestions for future episodes, questions. fun stories, questions, Ooh, pictures, videos, anything. We like wildlife a lot, so yeah. just send it our way. Uh, that is at Hello Cuckoo. It's Hello Cuckoo Podcast. Why do we do this? Gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs> um, and please do share our message with your friends and family because it's our it's our goal to connect Illinois with wildlife especially what's in your backyard and local communities and we hope to you know foster understanding and 
encourage you to connect with wildlife in healthy ways. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye.